Hi, I'm Heather Bell, and welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with Women in ETFs, where we get together every other week and talk shop with some of the smartest women in ETFs. Today, I'm speaking with Courtney Rosenberger, Managing Director at Strategus Securities, which entered the ETF space in January. The firm has two ETFs currently trading on the market, and she manages one of them. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So just to kick off, you mentioned earlier that you joined Strategus straight out of college. Can you talk to me a little bit about that decision and how that led you to where you are now? Absolutely. So the short version is that until about a month before I graduated in 2014, I wasn't really planning on going into the industry. I was a finance and economics major, and my father and my sister actually were both working on the buy side. But despite that, or potentially because of that experience, I had a pretty narrow view of what a job in finance looked like. And I just wasn't sure if it was really what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I was about to take a job in another industry doing supply chain management when my sister sat me down, kind of had an intervention with me and advised that in her view, I would really enjoy working at a macro research firm. She thought that that would suit me much better. At the time, I didn't even realize there were firms, particularly small boutique firms that specialize in macro research and that there are these different type of research verticals within it. But my sister gave me a list of companies that she had worked with and Strategic Securities was at the top of that list, her favorite firm. So I was lucky enough to connect with Dan Clifton, Strategus' head of policy research. And he was kind enough to talk to me about the industry. He had me fly down to DC for what I thought was an informational interview. Little did I know that there was a position available. And I'll never forget kind of what he said to me during that was he basically said, you know, government policy touches every sector and industry and company. And there's really no limit to what we could research you know, as, as a member of the policy team at Strategus, because we could draw an investable conclusion from just about any type of policy event for a company. And, you know, when you're 21 and you're really intellectually curious, just the ability to research whatever you want is pretty much an impossible offer to turn down. So here we are eight years later, still working on research. But then now there's this asset management side of our business that I had no idea that I would get into, but it's been a really interesting journey. It's been fun for the last eight years. That's awesome. That sounds like it started out as a very meaty opportunity. Yeah, very lucky. So were there any like particular challenges that you faced along the way? Yeah, I would actually kind of point most to my first couple of months at the job, partly because, you know, policy research is, you know, you have to have a lot of knowledge about how the government works. And there's a lot of just kind of wonky issues that you're dealing with. And that wasn't something that I necessarily had a lot of experience with in college because I was finance and economics. I wasn't policy, but I also got really interested in energy and really wanted to take on kind of energy research when I started. And I started again in May of 2014. So the next several months were a very interesting period for the energy industry. So it was kind of baptism by fire, getting into it and kind of finding myself having to have these conversations with, you know, top people at these hedge funds and and banks and, you know, me being a 21-year-old that was just trying to learn as much as I possibly could about the energy industry as quickly as possible while the energy industry was just adapting so quickly. So it was a good, it was a good lesson. It was a good introduction to the sell side life where you have to be really flexible and learn quickly. But that was definitely an educating period for me. Gotcha. <laughs> 
So what was it like to be part of a firm that was just deciding to get into ETFs? And can you talk a little bit about what drove that process at Strategus? Yeah, so I'll give a little bit of background. So Strategus was founded in 2006. And again, we're a macro research firm dealing with institutional clients. So, you know, ranging from banks to pension funds, family offices and the like. And we have research verticals for strategy, quant, policy, obviously, and then fixed income, econ and technical analysis. Across each of those verticals, I would say having an actionable investment conclusion from our research is a priority and a foundation. And since Strategus is founding, one of the ways that we provide that actionable conclusion is by creating stock baskets that can be utilized by our clients to see you know, how the market might be pricing in an event, or maybe clients use those baskets as idea generators, or maybe they just screen them, screen the constituents against their own strategies to see if you know, the issue that we're looking at could benefit them or hurt them. So for instance, on the policy team, we'll create election Republican and Democratic baskets that you know, those aren't meant to manage money, but they're meant to see if the market might be pricing in an outcome. Or we'll create tax screens ahead of 2017 and then in 2021 for Build Back Better as well, where clients can see if their holdings might benefit from a tax cut or be hurt by a tax increase. On a given day, I'm running, you know, between 20 to 30 thematic policy baskets just because there's so many issues. But then if we back that up to 2014, when I joined Strategus, there are a number of clients that were starting to express an interest in putting real dollars to work in a couple of the strategies that we were publishing in our reports. So we're a broker dealer. We obviously have a trading desk, but we didn't have a vehicle for clients to invest in those re- strategies directly because we were just putting them in our research. So we began doing model delivery, and then eventually that led to us facilitating separately managed accounts. And that's really how Strategic Asset Management was born in 2014, just client demand pushing us into the business. We still do model delivery. We still do SMAs. But an area that took us longer to get into was ETFs. And that's, you know, this past January, we finally launched our T- ETFs after years of clients suggesting that we go into those products. And that's kind of resisting that push. And as you said, those are the Strategus Macrothematic ETF, ticker SAMT, and then the Strategus Global Policy Opportunities ETF, SAGP, which I co-manage with Dan Clifton. The fund that you manage uses a strategy based on lobbyist-related data. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so we believe that companies, you know, generally understand their policy risks and opportunities faster than investors do. And that while public policy changes are a growing part of company earnings, those earnings effects aren't necessarily priced correctly by the equity markets. So we crafted SAGP with the goal of identifying U.S. large cap, U.S. small and mid cap, as well as non-U.S. large cap companies that we feel are best positioned for an earnings benefit from policy changes. In terms of how we do this, as you mentioned, we use lobbying. So we use our proprietary lobbying intensity formula, which I could best describe as, you know, adjusting companies' lobbying activity for company size. And to clarify, for those non-U.S. companies, those are non-U.S. companies that are lobbying the U.S. government based off their business interests here in the U.S. I think a lot of people see U.S. policy as only affecting U.S. companies, but non-U.S. companies certainly are lobbying the U.S. government on things like defense contracts, international tax changes, trade policy, because they're affected by those things too. So we're trying to take a quantitative approach to policy and use a variable that can be compared across companies in different industries, you know, dealing with different policy issues. We think that this strategy is differentiated because lobbying is just not a factor that you typically see in traditional financial analysis. And even though the data is publicly available, it's just not normally considered. And we're taking that data, 
putting it into our formula and crafting a single strategy that aims to provide investors with exposure to companies across industries, cap scale, and domicile country, lobbying for their benefit or sometimes their competitors' detriment on a variety of issues. In terms of how this strategy kind of fits with uh, Strategic Asset Management's goal of having thematic rotation themes, companies and lobbyists are legally required to report their company's quarterly lobbying activity. And that gives us the ability to update our formula for changes in that lobbying activity on a regular basis or quarterly. And as the policy issues and priorities in Washington change, we can have new companies that are impacted by issues come into the strategy while other companies might fade their lobbying activities because an issue gets resolved. And using that proprietary lobbying intensity kind of picks up for those changes and helps us to evolve the policy with changing policy dynamics. We do weight this strategy based off of Strategus's macro research asset allocation. So that's where we get kind of how we weight the U.S. portion versus the non-U.S. portion, as well as the large cap versus the small and mid cap portion of the strategy. Gotcha. What's a typical workday like for you? And have recent global events like outsized inflation or Russia's invasion of Ukraine had any kind of effect on your day-to-day work? Yeah, so a typical workday for me kind of starts with an all-firm meeting at Strategus. And then from there, it kind of varies. So certainly there's always portfolio work for the strategies, but then there's also work for, you know, our normal research and answering client questions and speaking with our clients directly. In terms of how things have changed in the last couple of months, I think, you know, putting my policy hat on, the three legs that the policy stool have kind of been upended in the last couple of months. So fiscal policy, you know, we're on track for our largest deficit reduction as a percentage of GDP since World War II. Monetary policy, the Fed put has kind of been taken out of the market in our view, and Fed really has no choice now except for to do everything in its power to stop inflation. And then certainly geopolitics, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has accelerated ideas of deglobalization and increased concerns on U.S.-China. And in our view, you know, when we're looking at our ETF strategy, so both the Global Policy Opportunities ETF, as well as our other strategy, the Macro Thematic Opportunities ETF, we think that both both are well positioned for this environment, but changes have been made to them since Russia's invasion. So when we look at the Macro Thematic Opportunities ETF, my colleagues, Jason Trenner, Ryan Grabinski, and Nick Bonesack, they created this portfolio that Leverages Strategus's macro research, and we're really proud of the fact that we're one of the top-ranked macro research firms in Institutional Investor Magazine's All-American Research Team rankings. And they really wanted to leverage that macro research to rotate into themes that have the highest conviction. So in their strategy, they've had themes of inflation, cyclical defensives, quantitative tightening, and they have had a theme of the post-COVID reopening And they changed that theme into deglobalization following Russia's invasion of Ukraine to make that strategy more consistent with what we were seeing in the market. And then on SAGP, we made some changes there as well. So from an asset allocation standpoint, we increased our domestic exposure from 55% to 60% in March. Currently, we're sitting at 59% because of those concerns about deglobalization and the concerns over foreign equity exposure. So that's an action that we took directly, but the strategy itself, because it's formulaic-based, has kind of rotated on its own as well. So we went into Russia's invasion of Ukraine, overweight industrials and defense already. 
So we were well positioned and we remain overweight those areas. Those are companies that are constantly going to be lobbying the U.S. government because the U.S. defense budget is kind of a perennial priority. But we anticipate that themes there are going to be sustained even more so now. And, you know, when we think about our non-U.S. companies, those companies actually outperformed in the environment of Russia invading Ukraine, which was really interesting to us. But, you know, it makes sense when you think about these are non-U.S. companies, but they have a U.S. interest because they're lobbying the U.S. government. So in our view, it kind of helped blunt some of those deglobalization and foreign concerns because while they are foreign companies and we're giving our investors exposure um, to a global portfolio, it is a little bit more U.S. centered. And then we also have seen the portfolio through its latest rebalance for Q1 tilt more towards inflation protection and defensive names, just as the equity market has had to deal with kind of elevated and sticky inflation. So we had both an active change on our asset allocation, kind of increasing that U.S. exposure, but then the formula has also adjusted for a monetary environment where the market seems to be a lot more concerned about inflation. Gotcha. We'll have to end it there, Courtney. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you. Listeners, thanks for joining us as well, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. For all episodes of ETF Working Lunch, please check out ETF.com or any of the major podcast platforms. See you next time.